Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Tonight, Michael Brown joins me here. He's the former FEMA director. Talk show host, Michael Brown. Brownie. Now. Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. The Situation with Michael Brown. You're a political expert. On 630 KHOW, Denver's talk station. Uh, this is Joey. Uh, hello to all you folks out there in Florida. We're really sorry, but one time I had a hurricane come through my pond in, in Delaware, and those people rescued us. The Coast Guard, they came through my roof and they rescued my cat and saved my Corvette. This is the situation with Michael Brown. These are the rules of engagement. Text the keyword Mike or Michael to 33103, along with your message. If you have not done so already, download the iHeart app and favorite two shows, The Situation with Michael Brown as well as The Weekend with Michael Brown. Be sure to leave a talkback message by using the small red microphone. Meanwhile, have a look at Michael's website, where you can find lots of interesting items that Dragon has posted, compilations of talkback messages, discover how to follow Michael on all the most important social media sites, and let us not forget, all the merchandise that will keep family and friends talking. All these fine features can be found at michaelsircohere.com. Once more, in case you were not at the keyboard, michaelsircohere.com. Thank you Michael and Dragon. And welcome back to the Michael Brown Show. This is Krista Kafer, and I've also thought that it, perhaps I've got to have a... Uh, segment in which someone talks in an English accent and uh, promotes my talkback line. You've got a wide range of accents that you could do. Yes, my favorite accent is this one. Like, I could do this all day. Yes, I am from Serbia. Yes, whatever I show, whatever you want. Anyway, Krista Gaper, if uh, you're hearing this voice for the first time, I am in fact a Colorado native. I am not from Russia. I'm not from England. I just like to just like to mess around with accents because I, I like accents. Because it's thing? fun. It's fun. It is. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, if you've never heard this voice before, I, I am basically Krista Kafer, the sub, or Krista, the sub Kafer. I, uh, I'm an adjunct professor, which means I sub and teach college. Are you uh, sure it's not Christy? Some people call, you know, I usually don't get Christy, like from some idiot that just texted. Yeah. Yeah, if you can't get my name right, then I'm not even going to read or paraphrase your comment on I our text line. I fully think that you got your own name wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm wrong. Um, yeah, so Krista Kafer, I'm a Denver Post columnist. I've got a sub stack if you want to catch my column there. Also, I'm on Twitter at, at Krista Kafer. And if you want to see what I look like, because sometimes it's a curiosity, like she's got that deep, dark, sultry jazz voice. If you want to see what I look like, uh, you can catch me on TV tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 12. I'm on Colorado Inside Out. And uh, a little bit of music back there, huh? Yeah, you know, this goes along with the sexy voice. Oh, yeah. Hey, sexy voice. Yeah, sultry. I totally could do a cool jazz thing. Like, and welcome back to Cool Jazz with Krista Kafer. Yeah. I don't know nice although we were talking last night i was with some of my closest friends people that i adore and we were talking about how everyone should have theme music 
So my theme song always has been, I love Peter Gunn. You know, da 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 Yeah, it's just a, it's a great little sort of riff. Um, we're talking about like, an, uh, I understand my pastor, uh, uh, <laughs> song by Nazareth. Now you're messing with the dot, 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 can't say it on the radio. Yeah, so everybody has to have theme music. And um, I don't know, you have theme music? There we go, there's my theme music. Oh yeah. It's either this or Tom Petty's Don't Back Down. Because I'm a nice person and, you know, but I don't back down. Hey, we utilize the text line in the six o'clock hour for your dogs and your dog names and what breed they are and everything. Uh, well... Let's uh, let's do the uh, your theme music. Yes. What would your theme music be? Thirty three one zero three. Text that Mike is, or Michael. Thirty three one zero three. What is your theme music? That is perfect. Yes. What is your theme music? So mine is either Tom Petty's "Don't Back Down," or uh, Peter Gunn, which is this little riff that we're hearing right now. Oh, it's such a great riff. So uh, yeah, text me. Let me know what is your theme music because I'd love to know. Meanwhile, let's talk a little bit. I got a, a text here saying I've talked with people who also say Jared Polis, our governor, is a decent person. Um, but uh, given his policies, there's no way he genuinely loves this state or this country. He should be in jail for what he did during COVID. I would, I'll address this and then talk a little bit about a, something that Polis has tried to do. And it looks like the court's going to block it. Also, keep you know keep bringing in your theme songs. I'll read those as I go through a... This uh, very interesting issue, but I, I want to address this: is that can you be a be a a good person and or a decent person and be wrong? I, I hope so because I'm wrong a fair amount, and I'd like to think I'm a decent person. So I met Jared Polis when I worked in Washington D.C. We were both young back then. Uh, I would have been when I've been about 33, 34. He's five years younger than me, so he's in his late twenties. I was working for the Heritage Foundation, big conservative think tank, and I had been on a study commission because occasionally they'll, you know, they want somebody to be on a commission, sit around and talk about stuff on education. I was an education analyst for the Heritage Foundation. And I, so I'm on this and a couple of people from the state were there because it was state school board members. And it was Jared Polis, Evie Hudak, and Randy DeHoff at the three, the time, three of I don't know how many school board members we have for the state, but state school board members, all three really nice people. And I know it's raising some eyebrows. I get a big kick out of Evie Hudak, total lefty, hilarious. So I sit down with her and she's like, she makes some like rude in your face comment to me about how charter schools are just, you know, white parents way of, of trying to get away from, from students of color, which is absurd given the fact that more students of color, I believe attend charter schools and more kids have been lifted out of bad education, thanks to charter schools and vouchers for that matter. And those kids that have been, I think, best served and helped by those programs have been people in low income or predominantly minority schools in the inner city. So she was objectively completely off base. But you know what? The best way to handle people like that is to disarm them. It's not to, to you know, they, they say, oh, when somebody brings a, a knife, you bring a gun to the debate. No, no, no. The best way is to take away their weapon. And you do that nine times out of 10 by just being a nice person. So I was like, hey, I know she were drinking tea. I, I'm a big tea person. I started like talking about tea, started talking about Broncos. I ended up sending her some some tea that I'd gotten in England. And I, we became friends. And yeah, she's totally wrong. She's kind of she's a little obnoxious, but I like her. If somebody's ever in an argument with you, 
and they're just so mad. They're they're turning red and everything, mm-hmm. and you're just overly nice to them. It's yeah, glorious. Just because they glorious. get so much more mad because they want you to be mad. Yeah, and but I'm not giving into it. Like if somebody wants to fight me and I don't want to fight, I'm not going to fight. In fact, I'm going to make them not want to fight. That's how I win: is to not do what they want, but to and then make them do what I want, which is to be you know be a, just be a decent person, and it works. Now. Some people say, well, sometimes you have to fight. I tell you what, put me into a debate. If I'm in a debate, professional debate with somebody who is, particularly if they're nasty, I will switch into the, I'm, I'm kind of nine-tenths not competitive. That one-tenth competitive will be like, okay, it's time for me to rub your nose into the carpet. That's when Unicorn Kitty comes out? That's when Unicorn Kitty comes out. And, um, and I'm ornery. I'm very ornery. And I do win. But generally speaking, I think the best way to disarm is to you know, be a nice person and you can like somebody without agreeing with them. So anyway, I became friends with Jared, took me to a ball game. I've been skiing with him. And yes, he is a decent person. Do I think he's, I think he's wrong nine, 99% of the time, but he is a nice person. He loves his family. He loves his partner. He loves his kids. He loves the state very much. He loves this country very much. And I, I can, I can say that for him and he's wrong. And I wish he was not governor. I wish he was you know, just a retired you know, a businessman doing business things and not governing. I think what he did during COVID was wrong. I think the vast majority of people in power did the wrong thing in COVID, which is shutting down businesses and limiting people's liberties. I was one of those, I'm not wearing a mask persons. Um, I did get uh, vaccinated because I'm a big fan of vaccines and I've been vaccinated against everything. And you know, yellow fever. I'm a, I like to travel. So I've been vaccinated against everything except for rabies. And it's because rabies is like a $700 shock. And if I would have to, uh, I would have to uh, uh, get that shot if I end up doing any kind of veterinary. I've, I always wanted to do like a medical mission, but with veterinary stuff. And I'd probably have to get a rabies vaccine for that. But anyway, I am digressing. Let's, uh, if, if you've got uh, a theme song, because we, open the show with, hey, what is your theme song? I got a couple myself. This person says his his or her theme song is comfortably numb. Yeah. Feeling it. Hello, hello, hello. Is there anybody in there? Yeah. Pink Floyd. Very, very nice. Um, this person says, you can definitely be a decent person and be wrong. I know a lot of very good people with whom I am fundamentally disagree and I think they're wrong. That's not the issue with Polis's decisions do not reflect a love of his state. I, you know, I think you can love somebody and do the wrong thing or love something and do the wrong thing. Uh, I think what he and the legislature have done have been incredibly destructive to the state on so many levels. I think they're, they've, I actually think even though it, you know, we're still growing as a state economically and in terms of population, at some point we peak the way California did. So the only reason California has succeeded even with wave after wave of Democrat governors and legislatures and all the stupid stuff they've done is because it's a beautiful state. So it's kind of like, you always wonder like, why is this completely neurotic, horrible woman uh, married or dating? It's usually because she's beautiful, like a really beautiful woman who's full on crazy and nasty, but very beautiful, will still find dates. So you can have a state like California, like a beautiful woman. I mean, the state is beautiful in terms of like redwoods and beaches. It's just a beautiful place. 
The only reason that people still want to be there is it's a beautiful place, even though it's governed very neurotically and very horribly. And I predict that uh, I, I predict that Colorado will peak in the same way that California is peaking. And in fact, California is now losing more population than it is gaining. So eventually, though, you know, eventually that whacked out, crazy, beautiful woman, eventually people wise up and stop dating her. I know it's kind of a sexist analogy, but uh, so this person says, uh, Polis is slimy. He screwed the taxpayers by lying about raising taxes and fees. Okay. Yeah. I think you got a, a good point there. Um, does he really love Colorado? Because he sure does avoid rural Colorado. And I think that's a great point. Uh, Eric Sonderman, friend of mine over at, uh, he writes for the, for the Gazette, really good piece on on the alienation between Governor Polis and rural Colorado. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, particularly if you're in rural Colorado at our text line. Of course, you can also do the talk back line, 33103, because we're going to stick with this topic for the full hour. I want to talk about where uh, one of Polis's efforts, not only does it miss the mark, not as late off target, it's been shot down to hit a couple of gun references because I'm talking about the policy that he pushed to make firearms, uh, in this case, not all firearms, but long guns, shotguns and rifles, uh, the policy that he pushed, the polis policy, if you will, that he pushed, the legislature enacted, he signed a law in the last session that made it, uh, you have to be 21 in order to buy a shotgun or a rifle that then was sued by Rocky Mountain gun owners. They have prevailed thus far. There is not only is that in the court being appealed, but there is an injunction, injunction saying that that law cannot be enforced. In the meanwhile, Polis tried to undo the injunction. The court said, no, I don't think you're going to prevail in your appeal. So no, we are not going to take away the injunction. I want to get to why not only is that policy incorrect, I also want to talk about why it does not meet Second Amendment. It does not that it, it is not consistent with the Second Amendment. So let's back it up a little bit. So right now, in this in in this state, if you want to purchase a pistol or a shotgun or a rifle, and let's say you're 18 years old and you go to the gun store, you cannot, by federal law, purchase a pistol but you can purchase a rifle or a shotgun. Now, why is that important? Well, the vast, vast majority of murder is committed using pistols, not shotguns, not rifles. Only 2% of of murders, of, of crimes committed with a firearm are committed with a long gun, shotgun, or a rifle. They're, you know, it's not exactly, uh, it's, you know, these are long distance weapons used primarily for either sport or for hunting. Um, I, I, I ski, you know, shooting skeet and trap is really, really fun. I, I don't know. I, I'm not that good at skeet, but I'm pretty good at trap. Um, rifles also used for hunting, used in sport. It's, it's a lot of fun to put a target as far out as you can do and see if you can get it. I, I'm very fond of having a 22, uh, not exactly a powerful gun. Well, you know, it's still lethal. I still want to be careful with it. Uh, but long arms, rifles, and shotguns are used primarily for sport and for hunting. Pistols can also be used for hunting and sport, 
Uh, they can also be used for home defense and personal defense, and they tend to be the bad guy's choice of weapon. We all know that uh, you know young people can make poor decisions. The frontal lobe is not completely, you know, completely grown and completely matured until 25. Uh, young men, in particular, the reason they've got higher auto insurance rates is the uh, it makes some very bad decisions. So I think you probably could make a case that there is a compelling reason to ensure that that anyone wanting to buy a pistol needs to be 21. I, I think I could go either way on that. When it comes to rifles and shotguns, historically, these have been weapons that have been used for hunting and for target shooting. And it's something that is done often among the youth. I, I had a, a friend named, uh, his name's Steve, somebody I used to do radio with. And he used to, they during hunting season in Flint, Michigan, you know, this is high school and junior high, they would take their shotguns and their shells ride their bikes. So imagine you're riding your bike, you've got your your shotgun on the handlebars as you ride your bike to school. You ride your bike to school, the, you would put your shotgun in your locker and you would give your shells to the principal who would keep them in the office through the school day. At the end of the school day, they would take their shotguns and their uh, the shotgun shells and they would go out and they'd go hunting, right? Um, different day, different age, but Young people, I, I, I got my hunter safety at 21, but a lot of young people go out with their parents, with dads or moms. Usually it's dads. I went with my dad to go hunting. Um, you know, there's dove, there's ducks, there's geese, there's, there's pheasant, um, obviously some bigger game as well. And it is a, a wonderful experience. And I'll, I'll end, I know we're coming up on a break here, but so Annie Oakley, and I just actually went to the Buffalo Bill museum up in Golden. If you haven't been, it's just a lovely little museum. But Annie Oakley, great sharpshooter, was in Buffalo Bill's show. Um, She started hunting at the age of eight. Her father had died. Her mother um, was a widow. She had kids. They were very, very poor. And she learned to hunt and trap at a young age and hunted for her family. And out of that hunting experience, became an amazing shot and was able to go into show business. And I don't know if you know this about Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, very interesting uh, man, very um, kind of open-minded for a man of his, of, of his day in terms of embracing other cultures, defending Native Americans, and he genuinely believed in equal pay for equal work. And so his female sharpshooters made the same as his male sharpshooters, which is pretty darn cool. But the idea of long guns in particular, shotguns and rifles, used for hunting, used for home protection, used for sport, goes a long, long, long way back in this country. Why is that important? Well, we have a Bruin decision, that's a Supreme Court decision of a couple years ago, that, uh, talk, you know, that, 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 that sheds light on the Second Amendment, our right to bear, long, bear arms, and the importance of history. And it is because of this that Polis is unlikely to win his appeal of this law. We're going to talk about that when we get back. Plus your theme songs, keep them coming. I, I got you, uh, got one coming up right out of the break at 33103. Make sure you keep those. Come in. Dang it. Sorry.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, Christy. A good theme song would be Rawhide. Goober from Cushing, Oklahoma. Have a great day. Rawhide! Yes, that is a great, that is a great uh, theme song. Actually, one of my favorite memories from last year, a friend of mine's got a ranch. It's about an hour west of Colorado Springs. He said, do you want to come down and help me move cattle? And I love to ride horses. I, I can ride English, Western, I can do whatever, whatever you want me to do. I can't do jumping. It's like the one thing I never did learn, but I can do other stuff. So I'm going to come down and help me move cattle. And I was like, heck yeah. I had the best horse named Dunny. You can imagine he was a Dun, which happens to be one of my favorite horse colors. Quarter horse, big boy. Um, I don't know, 16 hands, it's big, big boy. Um, and just the most delightful horse would go anywhere, down into brush, over streams. We did some pretty uh, technical uh, mountain stuff too. And it was it was just lovely. So yeah, Rawhide, it's a good theme song. Got a couple other good theme songs here. This one's fantastic. I Got a Name by Jim Croce. I, anything by Jim Croce is just beautiful. Um, yeah. Like the pine trees lining the winding road, I've got a name. Okay, I'm getting all like tingly. That's great. Um, my theme song is Crush from Dave Matthews Band. So jazzy and sultry. Yes, I love that. And then, hey, somebody just said, hey, uh, Krista is a terrific fill-in. Thank you. That's really nice of you. Between that and the crochet, I'm getting all, getting all like tender. Oh, here's Crush. It's nice, huh? I got a little crush right now, I got to admit. You know who you are if you're listening. Um, let's see. Uh, Two really uh, important texts that I got in talking about Polis's, uh, his relationship, his fraught relationship with rural Colorado. And I want to point to a friend of mine, and I'll make sure at the break I, I tweeted out, uh, Eric Sonderman wrote a really good piece about this, that that relationship is not good. And uh, there's some some very significant reasons for that. I want to cap off the gun subject really quickly and then read a couple of these texts because they are... They make a very good case as to why not just Jared Polis, but also the legislature largely represents the front range and does not care about, understand, identify with, even try to you know try to get rural Colorado. They just don't get it. And uh, we'll get to that in a moment. So just to kind of recap, the legislature decided that uh, in a very symbolic move. So right, we do have gun violence in this state. People do hurt other people with objects like guns, knives, bats, their own fists, etc. It is already illegal to hurt people, but um, there's, you know, a, a desire on the left primarily to make guns less available 
even to law-abiding people, people who wish to use them for self-protection, hunting, and sport. Um, I myself am a gun owner. I believe very strongly in responsible gun ownership. Um, I actually like red flag laws. They're, you know, they've got due process. If you're, if you're a nut job, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't have firearms. They are serious. Um, I don't want, you know, persistently drunk people to have cars, frankly, um, if they're driving drunk, like it, these are, these are cars, guns, whatever. These are serious, serious things that need to be taken seriously. But they decided that they're, they, they were going to make long guns, which is shotguns, rifles, uh, make it so that you had to be 21 and up to be able to purchase. You already have to be 21 under federal law. I understand that that's being challenged at the court level to buy a pistol. I do understand the under, the understand why there is a law for that. I, I think you can go either way on it because there are responsible young people who use guns. Obviously, there are, there are young people in the military who have guns. Um, they're expected to use those guns on the battlefield, but then cannot purchase those guns legally when they come back to this, to the you know to the country. That's that's not right. So I can understand that you can go either way on that one. But long guns, very few crimes are committed with rifles and shotguns. A little unwieldy if you're gonna, you know, use them in a crime. They're used primarily for sport, both for hunting as well as for home protection, as well as for, um, as was, you know, for sport. They're, they're fun to shoot. And historically, it's something that young people have had access to. And I brought up Annie Oakley as, as, an, op- as, a, as an example of a, of a woman, a sharpshooter, part of Buffalo Bill's uh, show. She learned to hunt and trap at eight. She shot, uh, you know, to provide food. She shot animals to provide food for her family. She, uh, mom was widowed, a lot of kids, and that's how she became such a good shot. I can tell you what, take a rifle, uh, try to shoot a squirrel with it uh, at a, a significant, diff- you know, squirrels, raccoons, whatever they could, whatever she could shoot to feed the family. So historically, Gun ownership by young people, particularly of long guns, is something that's part of our history. It's a good part of our history. And the Bruin decision, the, the most, the latest Supreme Court decision regarding guns, said that when we're looking at state laws, we have to look at history. We have to look at what the founders meant when they put in place the Second Amendment, the protection. You know, we, we have a right to bear arms because we have a right to protect ourselves to protect what is ours, our families, our homes. We have that right to bear arms. It is in the Constitution. It is not given to us by the Constitution. It's given us to by God. We have a God-given right to protect ourselves. Part of that protection is guns. There are reasonable limits. You cannot, if you want to, you have to, you can own a, like a, a machine gun, but you have to get a special permit for it. But the average person does not own things like that. So there are reasonable limitations on gun ownership. Um, I think a case can be made that pistols may or may not be limited to age, but historically speaking, young people have had access to long guns for hunting. I remember going hunting with my dad when I was a kid. And according to the Bruin decision, we have to look at that history and take that state law and say, does that pass historical scrutiny? It does not. And so when Jared Polis and the legislature said, yeah, we're going to we're going to enact this highly symbolic law saying you can't buy rifles and shotguns until you're 21, given that they're not even used by kids to commit crimes. Uh, it not only 
is it in the court tied up? There's an injunction. And when Polis came back and said, we have to get rid of the injunction, the court was like, no, you're not going to prevail in your appeal. You're going down. This is going down. So no, we're not going to lift the injunction. So talking a little bit, not just about guns and Polis and the fact that he's wrong there. Um, I, I, I do think we also have to address his relationship with rural Colorado and got a couple of uh, texts to that point. This person says, thanks for addressing this. It's appreciated. I'm a rural Colorado and a fifth generation native. Uh, he definitely does not love rural Colorado. The meet out day was ridiculous. The appointment of a woman to the state veterinary board who openly attacked ranchers is unconscionable. There are just two examples off the top of my head that demonstrate his disdain for those of us who don't reside in Denver, Boulder, or Aspen. I'm sure he does love his family and his partner, but I agree with you. He should not be governor anywhere near government. You know, I, you can feel you, you can feel the betrayal, I think, in this text that we have a person who is supposed to represent the entire state who has turned his back in many respects to rural Colorado. And I'll pick particularly on the stupid meat out day. So following activists, there's activists all around that don't think we should be eating meat. They think it's bad for the environment. So they have these meat out days where you're just not supposed to eat meat and you can have like a salad. Um, and so Jared Polis decided that he would take this sort of activist thing and, and you know, recommend that we have it statewide. We we're going to have a statewide meat out day. I, I went after it in my, in my column. I also made a point of eating meat three times that day. I, I don't eat, you know, I eat oatmeal for breakfast. I have chicken, so I have lots of eggs. Eggs tend to be a main protein source for me. There are days I don't eat meat because I just eat eggs and beans because they're cheaper and available. Um, I do, however, love rib ribeye, love ribeye. Um, and so I do eat meat. I particularly like game. I like beef. Um, yeah. Um, but I did that day. I was like, I'm having, I'm having bacon or some kind of meat every meal. I think I even had a meat snack. I think I even had like beef jerky. I usually have like a snack around like two and three in the afternoon. I think I even had like a meat snack. Like I had like a Slim Jim. Um, just because I was like, do not tell me what to eat. <laughs> Don't tell me what to eat. It's that simple. Do not tell me what to eat. That's number one. Number two, there are people in this state, a great many people in this state, who make their living uh, shepherding animals. We've got a big industry of sheep, both for wool and for meat. I'm sure we have, uh, we've got goats. I think mainly people keep goats for milk, but goat is delicious as meat. Uh, I usually, I eat it when I'm uh, traveling and it's, it's delicious. Uh, there are people who keep, who have meat chicken. There are uh, some uh, pork producers here. There are a lot of beef cattle here and buffalo. Also yak. Yak is a great, is a great bovine. And the beauty of beef in particular is that these animals can eat stuff we can't eat. We can't break down the cellulose in grass, but they can. They eat the grass and then we can eat them. Um, these animals raise particularly on, on grass, um, grass-fed beef and uh, bison and yak. They don't have the kind of carbon footprint that, that some other sources do. Um, they're actually, you know, they're actually, I would argue good for the environment. So number one, Jared, and he hasn't done it since, notice. Number one, don't tell me what to eat. Number two, do not diss 
the livelihood of a great many Coloradans who raise protein-based foods, beef, pork, chicken, yak, uh, other, other animals on, on, uh, in this state, they've, you know, they're voters, they're Coloradans, you're supposed to represent them. So don't diss them. And then uh, as we head to the break, I also have to say that yet yeah, the picking of the, uh, the veterinary board member who attacked ranchers, uh, I shouldn't attack them like physically, but saying some pretty nasty things about ranchers. And if you've ever met ranchers, these people love the land. They care for their animals. They're amazing people. And, you know, they keep that land productive, beautiful land. When you, and you're like, oh, look at this beautiful vista. Thank a rancher for that. Right? You can thank a rancher for that. So we're heading up onto a break. When we get back, if you've got other texts uh, on Polis and rural Colorado. Also, if you've got theme music, and I'm a big fan of theme music. I think everyone should have theme music. It just, I, I, I don't know if you remember the, band, the, the old movie, I'm Gonna Get You Sucka, where you have like, like a small band traveling around with you playing your theme music. That's kind of like my ideal. Like I wish there was somebody playing like Peter Gunn, every time I walked into a room. That would totally work for me. Or Tom Petty's Don't, Don't Back Down. I love that song. Well, when we get back, this is Krista Kafer. I'm sitting in for Michael Brown. Catch your thoughts on these subjects. You're listening to 630 KOA. Ah, KOW, sorry. KOW, 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 KOW. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Christy, you're in Gooberville now, sweetheart. I just tried to type in 33103, and for some reason, it's not working. Did you maybe meet 33103? All right, yeah, uh-huh. pretty, pretty funny. Yep. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. Um, hey, thanks for listening. That's all I'm going to say. Finishing up this segment, talking about, I would say just government, particularly Governor Polis, but also the legislature's disdain for rural America. When we get back from this break, I'm going to do it, uh, you know, because this is Michael Moore's show. Um, Brown. Sorry, did I just say Michael? Oh, he's going to, if he finds uh-huh. out, he's yep. going to just smack me. Because yep. Michael Moore is that horrible uh, lefty Brilliant film guy. producer. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just totally like a creepy creepy angry lefty slob um sorry michael brown apologies don't tell him don't tell him don't tell him i made that mistake that was lame okay so he always does the taxpayer relief shot so we'll do that at the beginning of the hour and then we do a segment on what's good what's bad just because there was a poll recently about it was denver you know what denverites think of their city give you some of the highlights of that poll but i found myself reflecting on what has been, you know, what's really good about our state, what's not good about our state, or even the city of Denver. 
Because I've been here for the better part since 1970. There was nine years in which I was in the nation's capital, but I've been here and I I remember the good old days and I remember the good old days weren't so good, right? I remember some good stuff, some bad stuff. And I know some of the folks here have uh, even longer memory, be able to look back even farther and say, here's what was really great about Colorado or Denver back in the 1950s or 60s. Uh, I can at least comment on the 1970s and up. And then also what's bad. And of course, if you're sitting in traffic right now, listening to this show, chances are you're experiencing some of the bad stuff. Uh, That traffic is terrible. Remember when you could actually like drive on I-70? Yeah, those are are good times. Uh, So we'll talk about that when we get back. Not when we get back back. When we get back, we'll do taxpayer relief shots and then we'll head into what's good, what's bad. And so if you're interested in that, you can text 33103. Got it? Dude. Uh, your thoughts on what's good, what's bad. I'll make sure I hit those when we come back to it. And uh, But we'll do taxpayer relief shots. So I, all I could say is, you know, we're, I know we're winding this up another uh, minute or so, but I, I would love to see our legislature you know, I, I know you. I know they represent their district, and there's a great many more that represent an urban district, particularly here along the Front Range, than there are those who represent rural counties because they have fewer people. I, I would still like them to be mindful, even though it's not the, the places that they represent, that there are people in rural Colorado with livelihoods, passions, love, beautiful land. And it's just try to show a little respect, just a little, just a little respect. No more meet out days. If you're going to pick people for the veterinary board, how about people who actually work with people who work with animals? Just saying, ranchers, other people who, you know, people who engage in animal husbandry, just saying. Yeah. Um, As opposed to somebody, you know, essentially a PETA activist who thinks that people should not own animals. Um, how about we actually have somebody who interacts with people who own animals? And I am all about, you know, if you meet, if, if there's somebody out there that is treating their their animals poorly, shut them down. I actually support the the legislation that said that you have to have, you know, chickens need to be uh, able to move around and not be cramped up in tiny cages. Same goes for uh, for breeding sows. I think animals be ought to be able to move around. Keeping them in tiny cages is not good. All right, this is Chris Kaver. I'm sitting in for Michael Brown. You're listening to 630K. I'll be right back after this break.